this morning, I can hardly believe that it's uh, seven years since uh, I came in a very, a very part-time capacity uh, to work alongside Ross and uh, got to know him and Deborah uh, a bit better during that time. Morrigan and I greatly enjoyed that couple of years sharing uh, with you in ministry. And so it's a particular privilege to be part of the service today. And uh, I want uh, just in these moments to turn to Joshua chapter 3. It was a critical time of change for the Israelites as they stood on the verge of new things and a completely new chapter in their history. And this is such a time, as we've been thinking, it's such a time for you as a church and, of course, for Ross and Deborah and the girls as well. It's a time to be looking forward with confidence and expectancy to the future. But also, inevitably, you'll be feeling a sense of apprehension as well. That's true, I'm sure, for both you, Ross, and Deborah, as you contemplate a new ministry in a new fellowship with different people. What's it going to be like? Will we be able for it? All these kind of questions, I'm sure, are in your mind. And it's true for you as a church here as well. Uh, what will the future hold? What's going to happen next uh, for you as a people? Uh, many of you will have been blessed through the years by Rossi's ministry. Maybe he has been alongside you at times of deep personal crisis. And you have walked with him and Deborah and supported him in his own struggle with serious illness, as he has already alluded to and said thanks to you for. And you've wrestled together with difficult issues, not always with agreement, but I hope always with respect for one another. And now you wonder what it's going to be like when Ross is no longer here as your pastor. It is a critical time for everyone. And that's why I think this word in Joshua chapter 3 is so important for us today. So if you've got Bibles uh, with you, or if you've got the church uh, pew Bible, sorry I don't have the page number, but uh, I'm sure you'll find the book of Joshua uh, near the beginning of the Old Testament. And chapter 3, we're just going to read the first five verses, but you might like to keep your Bibles open at this passage, because I'll make a couple of references to what goes on later on in the chapter. But this is the Word of God. And the Word says, chapter 3, verse 1, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. 
I'm very fond of the book of uh, Joshua. Uh, there's so much in it that is relevant uh, to the church today. Uh, so much that reminds us of the church. It's all about fighting and failure. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's about much more than that. It's about moving forward with God. It's about good leadership. It's about taking hold of God's promises. It's about living boldly for Him. It's so much more than just ancient history. It's about your life and my life. It's about the church today. And chapter 3 and 4 show us that moving forward with God requires three things. Maybe we can bring up the uh, slides on the PowerPoint. Obedience is the first thing. Oh, you got it there. I've not got it here. Okay, that's great. Thanks, guys. Obedience is the first thing. And that involves listening and doing. They had moved right to the edge of the Jordan. Remember, they'd been wandering through the wilderness for many, many years, a whole generation after they had come out of Egypt. They've got right to the edge of the Jordan. Actually, the Jordan's not much of a river, if the truth be told. It has a huge history, but it's not much of a river. It would normally only be about 30 meters wide at this point. But at this particular time of year, the Jordan was in flood, and that could mean that it could be nearly a mile wide. They weren't going to cross it very easily. The people must have wondered that night, the night before, what would Joshua do? How would they get across? And the truth is, Joshua himself wondered what he would do, how they would get across. So he listened to God. And the Lord spoke to Joshua in verse 7 of that chapter. The Lord says to him, if you want to get across the river, walk into it. Well, that's my version of what the Lord said. But it was something like that. Get down into the water. And Joshua shared what God had said with the other leaders. And then he spoke to the people. In verse 9, he said, listen to the words of the Lord. This is important. Listen to what God is saying. And one of the responsibilities of Christian leaders is to listen themselves to the Lord and to help other people to listen to the words of the Lord. I remember hearing Jim Graham uh, once tell, in fact, I can still hear him in my head, um, telling a story about a man who dared God to speak to him. Burn the bush, he said to God, like you did for Moses, and I will follow you. Collapse the walls like you did for Joshua, and I will fight for you. Still the waves like you did in Galilee, Lord, and I'll listen to what you're saying. So the man sat by a bush beside a wall near the sea and waited for God to speak. And God heard the man, so God answered him. He sent fire, not for a bush, but for a church. He brought down a wall, not of stone, but of sin. 
he stilled a storm, not at sea, but in a soul. And God waited for the man to respond. And he waited. And he waited. And he waited. But because the man was looking at bushes and not at hearts, because he was looking at bricks and not at lives, because he was looking at seas and not at souls, he decided God had said nothing. Finally, he looked up at God and asked, Lord, have you lost your power? And God looked down at him and said, Man, have you lost your hearing? We need to listen for God. And often God speaks to us in unexpected ways. That's why we need to be listening. But it wasn't just a case of listening. They had to do what God told them. The leaders, the priests, had to be prepared to get their feet wet if they were going to cross the Jordan. And the truth is the faith of leaders is often tested more than the faith of the people. When the people went across, it was dry ground. When the priests went in, the water was still flowing. They had to be prepared to get their feet wet. And so it is for us as leaders. But as soon as they took the risk, as soon as they did what God had said to them, the miracle took place and things began to open up and there was a clear way forward for them. So, note one, obedience leads to miracle. Obedience leads to miracle. But at the center of it is verse 5, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. But set yourselves apart for this. Don't just drift along. Consecrate yourselves for this. And note too, obedience requires commitment. Because you are committed to the Lord, you will do what he tells you. You remember what Jesus' mother said to the servants? The words uh, still prick my conscience regularly since I was a young Christian and received this verse. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever Jesus tells you. Obedience is required from each one of us. Obedience in this present moment, in the here and now, amidst the practical realities of life, the tough times and the blessed times. Listen to God and obey Him. But they also needed faith. They needed faith for what was ahead. They needed faith for the unknown. The people are reminded in verse 4, you have never been this way before. Now you've been without a pastor before. You have called pastor. Some of you who have been here for many years will have seen the church look for and call many pastors, or several pastors at least. But you've never been actually at this moment before. And you ought not to imagine you'll just do what was always done in the past. You need faith for the future. You're moving into a new 
era altogether. And some of you uh, are excited by that. Some of you love that idea, the exhilaration and the excitement of the unknown, the challenge of surprises. But some of you hate the idea. You're not looking forward to it at all. You're, you're full of fear about the future. Most of us like things to stay as they are. We like the security of what we know. And some of us, if the truth be told, actually live in fear of the unknown. But Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham went out at God's command, not knowing where he was going, not knowing quite where this path was going to lead. But he went just with the command of God ringing in his ears. That's faith. Unbelief says, let's go back to where it's safe and comfortable to the stuff we know. Faith says, let's go forward to where God is at work. And that great faith chapter of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, shows us that faith for these men and women that are spoken about there was not a passive feeling. It was an active force. It led to action. Because Abraham believed God, he left out of the Chaldees and headed for Canaan. Because Moses believed God, he defied Pharaoh and led the Jews to freedom. Because Gideon believed God, he got out of his hole in the ground and led a small band of Jews to defeat a huge Midianite army. Living faith leads to purposeful action always. It's not a passive thing. They needed faith for the unknown, and they needed faith for the impossible, crossing the Jordan. There was no way they could get across easily with so many people. There was no way they could stop the water. They had to believe God for what seemed impossible. And the interesting thing is that the crossing of the Jordan was going to be confirmation for them that other impossible things were possible with God. That's what verse 10 says. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. This is how you will know that God will do all of that because you will see the Jordan being parted and you'll walk across on dry land. This miracle will be confirmation for you that other seemingly impossible things are always possible with God. You need to believe that. So there's note three. Faith builds on faith. Faith builds on faith. Remember, none of these people except Joshua and Caleb had crossed the Red Sea. None of them had seen the miracle of their getting out of Egypt through the Red Sea. They had nothing like this in their personal experience to go on. They had to trust God and step out in faith. I wonder what they talked about in camp that night. 
Has Joshua gone nuts? What's he talking about? Have you ever heard anything so ridiculous in all your life? The water's going to be piled back. Maybe some of them thought, maybe we better start building some rafts so that Joshua doesn't look pretty stupid in the morning. But others of them couldn't wait for the dawn to see what God would do, to see God at work in their midst. They couldn't wait for it. And I want to say this to you. If we're going to trust God for the unknown and the seemingly impossible, we need to beware of negative conversation. We'll never help each other build faith that way if we're always looking on the black side, if we're always pessimistic, if we're always being critical of what's happening. We'll never build faith that way. We need to look for the positive in every situation and to to big that up. Now, this is not just the power of positive thinking. This is, this is faith in the God of the impossible. He can do it. And as we depend on Him and live for Him, we trust Him that He will do it. Build each other up in your faith. Don't pull each other down. And if you've got doubts and uncertainties and criticisms about what's happening, just keep that to yourself. You don't need to spread that around. That doesn't do anybody any good. Keep trusting God and stay in faith. But there's one more thing in their onward walk with God that chapter 4 makes clear. Not only did they need obedience and faith, but they also needed to show gratitude. They were to remember what God had done. God told Joshua to build a memorial with stones taken from the riverbed and put on the other side in the promised land, and that was to be a reminder to them for all time of what God had done. So they were to remember what God had done as a source of thanksgiving for the people. We can't live in the past. Ross and Deborah will move on to a new chapter in their lives and ministry, and so will this church. The past is past. We need to let it go. But it's always right to give thanks to God for His blessings in the past, and that's what we've been doing this morning. So always be grateful because of what God has done. And you've got plenty for which to thank God for not only in the recent history, but also in the distant past history of this church. Lots of blessings, lots of things to give thanks for. So always be grateful for what God has done. And also be grateful because of who you are. And I don't just mean we're every Baptist church, we're the greatest in the world. Not that kind of thing. But remember who you are. In Joshua chapter 5 The practice of circumcision is reintroduced to the people of God to remind them that they are people of the covenant, that they are God's people, and this is what was to mark them as God's people. And so as we look forward, we need to be grateful not only for what God has done, 
amongst us, but also for who we are in Christ, sons and daughters of the living God. That's our identity. That's who we are. Don't get into little cliques like they did in Corinth, some following Paul, some following Apollos, and some following anybody you like to name. The thing that holds us together is our common identity as Christ's people. That's what we need to rejoice in and hold on to. Be thankful for that and protect that at all costs. Your oneness in Christ, your oneness as the people of God, your common identity as Christ's people. And the communion table, of course, symbolizes that for us. Every time we sit around this table, we are expressing oneness in Christ. Let that always be real and true and never fakery. When we sit around this table, we are expressing oneness in Christ. So it was to be a source of thanksgiving for God's people, remembering what he had done. And it was also to be a sign of witness to the world. Verse 24 of chapter 4 says, God did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. It was a sign of witness to the whole world. What God was doing in them and through them would be noticed by others. And I'm praying that in the days ahead, this community will not be able to help but notice that God is among you, that there is something going on here that can only be explained by the presence and power of God in the midst of his people. So as we give thanks to God today for Ross's ministry, and as we have committed Ross and Deborah and the girls to the love and grace of God, we also want to commit ourselves, leaders and members of this fellowship, to God's guidance and to his protection. We are all setting out on a new stage of the journey. I pray that you, Ross, will be given uh, freedom and affirmation and support and love in your new sphere of service in Ebenezer. And I pray that both fellowships, there and here, will increasingly be a byword in the hearts of people in Airdrie and even amongst the host of heaven as they see worked out in the lives of ordinary people something that only God can do. That's what we need to pray for and work for and live for and believe for. The presence and power of God in our midst. So, brothers and sisters, go from here today into God's future with gratitude in your hearts for the blessings of the past, with obedience in your steps for the challenges of the present, 
and with faith in your spirits for the achievements of the future. And God bless you all abundantly.